Yes, Father. I shall become a cast. A podcast. Specifically this one, a cowardly and superstitious pod, which is hosted by me, Nate. I love the television show Gotham, and I'm very strong. And it's also hosted by my friend Josh, who hates the television show Gotham, and he's not as strong as me. I could lift him over my head and powerbomb him into the sewer if I wanted to. I won't do that, though, because I'm a good person. Uh, Say hi to the people, Josh. Hi. Welcome. So glad to have you guys listen to our podcast. I, uh... I'm really excited about this episode uh, because I recently saw the movie Ghost Dog, We Have a Samurai, and I'm really excited to talk about it this episode. Wait, okay, but for real, did you see it? Yeah, I did. Did you watch it actually? Okay. Yeah. And this I'm just is saving it for this episode to talk about. Not relevant to this episode of the podcast, but what did you think? It's weird. I like it. It's real slow. It has a lot of weird choice moments, uh, but it is enjoyable. Okay, cool. I'm glad you liked it. I was worried after I recommended it to you that you weren't going to like it. No, um, I liked it. I it definitely has a lot of comparisons to like other samurai movies, and that's mm-hmm. what I enjoyed about it. Um, but there's this <laughs> the weird scene with the RZA <laughs> where they just meet up and like say the, something in code to each other. The whole thing with the French best friend is real weird. I get they're painting the picture that they don't have to understand each other to like understand mm-hmm. each other yeah. kind of thing. There's like a whole scene where he talks a bunch of French to the kid. Like, the little girl. Yeah. And it's just, like, a whole scene of nonsense, and it's, like, way longer than it needs to be. Yeah, I, I can go up to that. But, uh, overall, I did enjoy Frost Whitaker's great uh, performance. I liked the ending where he's basically committing seppuku. Mm-hmm. And it had a real John Wick feel to it. Yeah. I could totally see that movie being an influence on John Wick. Uh, did you know... That there is a role-playing game based on that movie? No way! I've never read it. I, I'm baffled by its existence, though. I would love to play that sometime. I don't like yeah. Uh Okay, cool. I'm glad you liked Gus Dog. Um, can we... Man, no, we gotta do the... We gotta talk about Gotham. But I really want to talk about the uh, Robin Hood movie that just came... Like, for us, it just came out. For you, it probably came out a, like a month or so ago. I haven't seen it. It's really bad. I heard. I'm, I can't talk about it, though. The most recent Robin Hood experience is when I saw Fat Russell Crowe playing Robin Hood way back when and fell asleep in the movie theater because that movie was also real bad and boring. Yeah, yeah. This does the same thing where he's never called Robin Hood in the movie. Josh, <laughs> I want to tell you about... This is kind of relevant to Gotham. Can I... I'm going to spoil this movie. Look, I've already tricked you into not talking about Gotham for like a good beginning half of this podcast, so I'm cool with this. Okay, okay. So, a lot of... Bad, a lot of stuff happens in the movie, but there's just one part in the very beginning where there. So you have Robin, or whatever, Robin of Loxley, Mister Hood, Mister Hood. Um, they call him the Hood, which is like the same shit they call the Green Arrow in the first season of Arrow. Oh my god! And I bet they did that on purpose. Yeah, and people support him by nailing hoods up around the city. Why? I don't know. <laughs> also, they put like a wanted poster at one point, and it 100 percent looks like the Obey logo. This is not what I'm getting at. So there's a part of the beginning where, so Robin is like, he's a renegade and he's like stealing from, the whole thing is a weird Iraq war metaphor. The Sheriff of Nottingham is like a George Bush stand-in. I tweeted about this and I wasn't joking when I said that the moral of the movie is Bush did (laughs) 9-11. But. (laughs) Now I kind of want to see it. If you can see it in a context where you can clown on it, like not in a crowded theater. Like, either at home or, like, 
in an empty theater, I would recommend it. Otherwise, it's not really worth your time. But anyway, so he is like on the wrong side of the law. But there's also another guy who's standing up to the uh, to the establishment, who's Will Scarlet. And there's a part where they meet up, and I was like, ah, I see the Harvey Dent. Of the movie, he gets half his face blown off and becomes the new sheriff of Nottingham. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. He's actually the Harvey Dent. He's actually 100% the Harvey Dent. That is He's nuts. also, like, Robin, Maine Marion is, like, with him, but she was with Robin. And they have, like, a thing. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's medieval Dark Knight, but also it's, like, a weird anti-Iraq war thing. Also, there's a part where one of the villains just 100% says, Yes, as I was saying, our plan to fund the other side of the war so we can destroy England and obtain power. Oh my god. It's ridiculous. Well, that concludes our podcast. Tune in next time, viewers, when we'll talk more about Ghost Dog. Okay, anyway. Let, let's get into episode Season 1, Episode 8 of Gotham's The Mask. Damn it, I pressed my luck. Sorry, dude. We gotta do this. This such is our charge. Alright. <laughs> we have to talk about this not very good episode of Gotham. Do your magic thing and imbue me with the knowledge of the episode so I can talk about it. So, the main, the A plot of this episode is there is some mysterious murders of young professionals happening uh, that turn out to be connected to a finance firm named Sionis Investments. Sionis. Sionis? Sionis. Sionis? Samus. Uh, so Metroid, something. Anyway, this investment firm, and Gordon and Bullock look into it, and basically what it turns out is this fucked up CEO guy, Roman Sionis. Sionis. The Black Mask. Is, make, make, basically makes his employees do a fight club? Yes. The opening scene of this episode is two dudes in ski masks fighting it out in an apparently abandoned office, but it's mostly just made up of... Old coiled phones and typewriters, mostly. Yeah, it's like they it's like they put all their stuff from the nineties in storage. Which is weird because the timeline of the show is very strange. Because even when we see the active office, they're still like walking around like stock tickers and yelling into phones. But it's like yeah, it's like an old office that's been put into storage and they fight each other in it. And one guy bites another dude's finger off. Yeah. Uh, thumbs specifically. Oh thumb, yeah, yeah, yeah. because uh, thumbs aren't fingers, they're thumbs. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> the thumb is kind of the tomato of the fingers, if you think about it. No. <laughs> uh, sure. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's basically the gist of it. Eventually, Gordon gets captured by the... It turns out the CEO is like... He wears like a black mask, and he's the black mask when he makes them have their, their fight club. And Gordon gets captured by him and has to fight club a bunch of dudes all at once, and he beats them all. Uh, there's also, while this is happening, we're dealing with the emotional fallout from the previous episode. So, Gordon is mad because all of the cops abandoned him, and Bullock is trying to make things better, and Essen is regretful about abandoning Gordon, even though he told her to. And, and also, Bruce goes to school. Bruce goes to school. Oh, I was going to get to that. Also, Barbara is, like, traumatized and paranoid now, because she was kidnapped by Victor Jazz. You can't hear it, because it doesn't make a sound, but I roll my eyes. It makes a sound when I roll my eyes. It sounds like this. It's real gross. You gotta go to a doctor for that. That's what I think of that. Anyway, um, yeah, and Bruce goes to school. That's the best part of this episode. Uh, Bruce goes to school. He is bullied. He has an unsuccessful fight with a bully. We'll get into the bully's identity later, I'm sure. Um, and then Alfred 
uh, basically tells him to beat the bully up and gives him a watch to use his brass knuckles. And then at the end of the episode, they eat pizza, and Alfred uh, decides he's going to teach Bruce to fight. I guess the only other thing that happens in this episode is Selena gets picked up for burglary and requests to see Gordon. Yep. So, let's get into it. Um, uh, my biggest issue with this episode, and they kind of address it later on, but the start of the episode, you kind of get like a whiplash. So we talked about the last episode where like a lot of shit happens. Yeah, and basically nothing happens in this episode. Yeah, and like they're back to being like normal cops investigating just a random murder after like they had a cop like a shootout in this police station and everybody left Gordon to die. Yeah, but I also kind of like that because it's like, well, yeah, you still have to go back to work and do your job the next day. Yeah, and like, what is that going to be like now that you know that everyone around you is a sack of shit who would let you be murdered in broad daylight? And again, pretty they, bad. They get into that later in the episode, but just like at the start of the episode, you really feel that like kind of whiplash. Yeah, they just kind of drop you into it. They're like, oh, this is another episode of Gotham. There's a new criminal, and the boys have to solve the crime. Yeah, like they don't build up to like getting back to work as like a plot line. They just kind of like let it happen. Yeah, which that feels weird. And then the penguin kills somebody. I forgot about his plot in this episode. Because he doesn't do that much. He kills two people. He does. Bringing his kill count up to 20. So he pres- he sees a random lady on the street with a very nice brooch. Holding a dog. And he goes up to her and he's like, that's a great brooch. Can I have it? To be clear, the penguin was not holding a dog. The one was holding a dog. Yeah, no. The penguin would never hold a dog. He seems like the kind of guy who really doesn't like animals. Except for birds. And fish. And f- well, he doesn't like her. <laughs> uh, so he sees a red lady with a nice brooch, and he's like, can I have it? And she's like, no. And then it cuts, implying that very much like the shoe murder that he murdered her for the brooch, because he has it later. He tries to give it to Fish Mooney as like a, like does, a gift. Does he not know how to buy things? Because I'm just getting the suspicion that he just doesn't know how to buy things. I think he just spends all his mur- money on hiring people to murder other people. Like, I, I don't think he actually knows like how... The barter, like not how the barter system, but like how like the economy works. I don't think he understands how to pay for anything that isn't a murder or a crime. That's what I'm getting here. Because he just he murders someone for their brooch. He murders someone for their shoes. When he goes to fill up his car with gas, presumably he murders the gas station attendant. Okay, well the shoe thing was he definitely didn't have any money because he just came out of the river, and he tried to ransom that guy to get money, and the, the dude's mom wouldn't pay him, so he killed that guy. So I understand the shoe murder. I think my take on this one is that, like I said, he literally spends all of his money on crime. Like, he he gets up and he realizes that he put all his money in the crime budget and he didn't have any money in the fancy brooch budget. (laughs) So he's like, well, I guess I'll just murder this lady. Which then it's like, also, was he just walking around and did he see her? Or was he like, I'm going to go out and look for something I can steal? It could go either way. The way I'm going to go on a nice crime walk through the city. Nice shoes, stab. Nice brooch, stab. Oh, I'm out of Tic Tacs, stab. It's one of those things where it's like both the characters know this is bullshit, but they have to like observe decorum because they're both like part of this system of organized crime. Well, the way I read it, I get that. But the way I read it was more like he's kind of shoving it in her face. Oh, he's definitely taunting her. And uh, I mean, I and he was kind of like just getting her off edge and like part of his plan to like make her slip up because she's pissed. And he offers her the brooch, and then she stabs him with, like, the pointy end of a brooch. It has, like, How the, does it work? It has... How do brooches work? <laughs> it's, like, a... It's, like, a piece uh, that has, like, a 
needle that goes through it that holds it onto something. And so he, she takes the little, like, pin part and stabs him with it. And then tastes his blood and tells him his blood tastes sweet. I mean... What a scene. The <laughs> only things we've seen him eat are tuna sandwiches and cannolis. So he might have pretty high blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was just... Oh, really... we don't even see him eat the cannoli. Because it's poisoned. No, he doesn't eat cannolis. We've only seen him eat tuna sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a real weird scene. But... Like it was def- to me, it definitely was like a taunting, like I in this position of power and you can't kill me, sort of thing. Yeah, and then he gives the brooch to his mom, who tells a weird story about how she was in a she was a dancer in school and she had a rival who was mean to her. So she told everybody that the rival's dad molested her. Yep, real fucked up. <laughs> and that got Penguin thinking about a secret that he could use against. Fish Mooney, which he then kidnaps his replacement umbrella holder, which he meets at the previous meeting we were just talking about, and beats the crap out of him until he tells him one of her secrets, and then kills him. So that's the second kill. But where does he do this at? Another crime warehouse. Yeah, they're full of them. Specifically, um, in this episode, they talk about like finding the one warehouse where like we saw the phones and typewriters where they're having the fight and they're like oh that's about half of gotham that could it could be so it's just covered in warehouses it's the city of warehouses (laughs) (laughs) and then that's like a thing like when you're trying not to pitch someone to like move their business to gotham you're like a lot of storage space and And that's like all you can say because otherwise it's a nasty hellhole where it's always raining and (laughs) and crime (laughs) crime is happening constantly and then when Gordon goes to find this one warehouse, the first one he goes to is the one. It's nuts. He's got those crime senses. He's like they, a bloodhound. They already Oof. set up that like it would take forever. But Not for Jim Gordon. Not for Jim Gordon. <laughs> Nothing takes forever for Jim Gordon. Um, he hasn't even been at the job for like a month and he tried to arrest the mayor like yesterday. He moves fast. Yeah, he does move fast. Uh, no, I want to go back to the scene with the penguin and his mom. Yes. Because the lesson he learns from that scene doesn't make any sense because she didn't actually use a secret. She made something up. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, secrets. You just make something up. Well, that, but also, like, the way you're portraying it is different from the way the show is portraying it. Mm. The se- He doesn't learn the secret thing from her backstory of this bully that she used to have. He learns it from her trapping a mouse. Oh, yeah. I actually forgot. The scene's way weirder. <laughs> it's way weirder, because the backstory doesn't add to anything. No, that story is completely pointless, and then she's like, I learned the secret that this mouse likes cheese? It was something. Like, she had a, a, something in there. I didn't actually understand I what I think it was said. mozzarella, maybe? Mozzarella, or cumin, or something. She learned Avocados. This... The point is, she found out the mouse's secret, and trapped him in this, like, house mouse trap. Real weird. And then Penguin was like, oh, secret. Yeah, this show's great. <laughs> I forgot how, I forgot that that scene was actually very good. <laughs> she tells him this long story. He doesn't get anything from it. And then the mouse thing, and he's like, yes. Mice. Also, you already knew that. That's what you did to the other guy. And to everybody else. Like, that's his thing. He's like, oh, I learned a secret. I learned a new tactic. What's your new tactic? Torture a person? You did that before. 
It, it's like, that seems completely unnecessary. No, it's totally ridiculous. But it does bring in the mom character, which, again, I love. She, I mean, I like that they... so over the top. Yeah. It's amazing. I also like that they set up that, like, she is just as much of a monster as he is. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe that's why they were doing that. But does she become more important later on? She stays in the show for a while. I don't think she's ever, like... Well, no, actually, she does become very important at one point. Well, then there you go. When they decided that the penguin should be... Like, a good guy? Sort of? Um, the show gets wild, dude. I'm not gonna like the show. <laughs> it's not quite that. Like, there's a point where they're like, oh, he... They need him to fight one of the other villains. And so they use the mom to do that. We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, so not looking forward to that. <laughs> Let's talk about morphine. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, like, then they see that the guy is missing a thumb. They're like, oh, let's shake down all the underworld doctors. Before that, they don't see the guys missing a thumb. Mm, they find the Riddler is the worst because he does this stupid thing. This is the best. This is like the best thing he's done. <laughs> Where he like he's going over the body at the, at the initial crime scene. He's like, should I check all the prints? And they're like, yeah, Ed, check all the prints. He's like, you sure? No, he's like, even this one. <laughs> and then he pulls a thumb out of the guy's mouth. Of course you're gonna do that, like. Ugh. And they're like, "Oh, we need to we need to find a guy who's missing a thumb." So they shake up all the underworld doctors. Yeah, so they go to this um, legal sawbones type dude who's in the middle of operating. Also, on we didn't touch we didn't like touch on this in the previous episode, but this is the second illegal crime doctor we've met in two episodes. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about this last episode, but Jim gets shot twice. In the shootout with uh, Victor Zaz at the police station, and he goes to this like graduate student. Yeah, she's like office. a grad. Yeah, and like she tells him he can barely move and he should lay down for like a week. He's like, I need to stand up. And then he just, using apparently sheer force of will, goes to continue to enact his plan. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I had a point about this later on in the episode because apparently this is supposed to be the next day. Yeah. From the last episode. Yeah. So him being shot like doesn't matter. <laughs> he heals fast, dude. He does everything fast. Um, but let's get back to the morphine because when the sawbones is cutting down on the guy that he's operating on, when Jim and Bullock walk in, he's the guy's yelling for morphine, 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 yeah. and the guy just and the sawbones he wants just more of that fiend. Hits him in the head with a baseball bat, knocks him out. I actually really like this character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just the way that that works is hilarious in a bad way. Because, like, when you just knock him out before, mm. did you want to do that? Maybe he thought he was tougher than he is. But I like that, like, there's, like, an implied backstory of this guy where, like, he's probably a real doctor who was just too much of a piece of shit to stay being a real-ass doctor. And now he's a fake crime doctor. And then they arrest him. Yeah, and then I, like, there's a, that leads to a conflict in the police station where there's, like, another cop. Like the only other named cop besides Jim, Gordon, and Essam. Victor Alvarez. Yeah. He's bad? It seems like all we know about Alvarez is that he just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just... But Alvarez is, like, that's his contact, is the, the crime doctor. Yeah. And he's like, I gotta work with this guy. And they're like... He was lying to us. And then Alvarez was like, he always lies. You just gotta squeeze him. But I like that, like, 
the implied thing, like, oh, Alvarez always goes to this dude, and then he lies, and then Alvarez beats him up a little bit, and then he tells the truth, and that just happens every time. It's routine. <laughs> uh, so, I just wanted to mention that scene. And then that leads into the next interesting scene with Nigma, where he does this weird-ass autopsy. Yeah, he sneaks into the medical lab. We don't know this at first, though. He no, wait, we do find out later. I mean, you can kind of put it together, because his job is not... Medical examiner. What is his job? He's just a CSI. Okay. Because, like, he appears to have, appears to be, like, the go-to for anything, like, autopsy or any, like, anything related to that. I think, yeah. Besides just being, like, the guy on the scene. I think he's the CSI, and I think he, the, the dude who actually does the autopsy is just supposed to tell Nigma the information. And Nigma's, like, the go-between. Got it. But he's, like... I, he wants to be the smartest dude ever, so he wants to do all the smart guy jobs, which means including the autopsy. Which is so weird, because the way the autopsy room is set up is there's a microphone that you pull from the ceiling down. I think that's how those actually record. work. Is it? Yes. Because it just feels like he's a, a announcer for a wrestling match well, they have, at that point. <laughs> they have to record their shit, and they can't. their hands are covered in dead body parts. But he still has to pull it down with his hands to do it. Yeah, I mean, it probably doesn't work like that. And he also says that he ate half a muffin and saved the other half for later. Why? <laughs> he's, he's a weirdo. He doesn't know what, like what information is not pertinent to share. Uh, some things about the body, and then he's like, I ate a half a cranberry muffin. I ate a cranberry muffin. I'll save the half for later. And it's like, what? And then you find out that he's not supposed to be there, but apparently he uncovered some shit about office supplies. He he checked double. He confirms that the the ink that they found on the body was actually toner, which means that it probably happened in an office. And then he further checks into and realizes there's been a bunch of murders with office supplies in the recent past. Yeah, can we talk about when they go, when Bullock and Gordon first go to meet with Sionis? Uh yes, we can because then I can effectively explain why I kept correcting you with Sionis. <laughs> I really like this scene. Because I really like how little patience Bullock and Gordon have for his bullshit. They walk into his office and it's covered in like old, like ancient weapons and masks and armor. And it's clear that he's like super into this. And Bullock's first thing that he says is, uh, so uh, what's with all this warrior baloney? And then <laughs> Sionis is like, uh, you have to be a true warrior to be a successful businessman. And then there's just a beat and Gordon goes, no, you don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like they don't care. No, fuck you. You're dumb. <laughs> uh, so the reason I had to correct you is because they do a weird thing with his last name. Yeah, where everybody else calls him Sionis, mm-hmm. but then when he introduces himself, only that one time he says, "Hello, I'm Richard Sionis," and it's like he pronounces it weird. Yeah, and it's never referenced again. Yeah, no, it's weird. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's really not much to his character beside that. He's just like an evil businessman who wants to see people kill each other. Yeah, he does this Fight Club thing, which is pretty much like uh, the Belko experiment, uh, where they're in an office building and they have to fight to get a job with him? Yes. Which is nuts. It's weird, How do, but they, apparently they sign NDAs. It's actually, I. it's pretty funny. Like, he makes them sign NDAs so they can't reveal that they were in this fight club. The part where he's, like, makes them fight Gordon. Gordon's like, I'm a cop. None of you have done anything wrong. Just don't try and murder me. 
And then Cernus is like, I'll give you all a million dollar signing bonus. Whoever kills him first. Yeah, and then there's just a beat where Gordon's like, oh, no. No. Is he an oh crap or oh shit? note for this. He says, very, like, drawn out, oh, crap. Yes, crap, that's it. Because this is, it's on TV. It's so drawn Oh, crap. Yeah. It's clearly like they knew that that moment was funny, and they were like, let's just milk it. What I really liked about this and why I tied it into the Bucko experiment is because this point when they're fighting Jim, you see that all the other employees of Cyanus are watching the fight. Yeah. And taking bets. Oh, and when they first go to the office, a ton of them have, like, bruises and scars from yeah. the fight. Like, it's very obvious from the second they show up that he's the bad guy. Like, there's no there's no mystery for the audience, which I kind of like that it's just like, yeah, he's a businessman. He's fucking evil. Yeah, and I like that, um, like, his whole company was into it, mm-hmm. and, like, everybody had to fight to be there. But this also ties back to the thing I was saying, like, there's something wrong with Gotham. This has just been happening there. Like, yeah. this is just a normal-ass business that has a gladiatorial fight club in an abandoned warehouse. And the way they find our one-thumb guy is just by coincidence. He's just when in the bathroom. a trail of blood to the bathroom to find a guy just with a nosebleed. And then the other guy just taking a dump and comes out and beats the crap out of Jim. Again, this ties into what I was saying before, that this show is secretly Marxist. Because that is a huge indictment of, like, American capitalist culture. This dude loses a literal thumb for his job and just fucking shows up at work the next day. Yeah. And is just dealing with it. He doesn't even have it sewn up. Yeah. (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) So... The reason I wanted to uh, talk about last episode with Jim getting shot twice and being told that he shouldn't have to have any yeah, quick movements, that he might die. <laughs> then there's literally the next fucking day where he fights not just three, but Sionis himself. So four people and kicks the crap out of them. They're good fights, too. No, it's it's a very well choreographed scene, but just compare with the last episode, oh, it no. makes... No sense. No, no. That him getting shot only matters in that one scene that's supposed to show us that he's super determined and it has no bearing whatsoever from like, then on out. If the graduate student believed what she said when she's saying that he should lie down and like otherwise he might die, uh, she's a terrible doctor and doesn't know anything. Or Jim has healing powers. Jim has healing powers. Which is like no. <laughs> It would have been dope, though, if they had remembered that he was wounded and there was a part where he, like, uses packing tape and post-it notes to put himself back together in the middle of the fight. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed they didn't do that. But he does whoop their asses. Like, all three that were fighting him for the million-dollar signing bonus. And then Sionis comes in and says, well, I guess I'll have to give myself a million dollars. Which is a great line. Yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, I don't think Sionis is at... he's He's no Victor Saz. He's no Penguin. Yeah. But he's pretty good. He's not bad. Um, I don't like the change in his mask. No, his so mask comics, is worse. In the comics, his mask is like kind of like a skull. Because the idea, the idea in the comics, for the most part, is that he, it's fucking dope and super metal, which is that he carves his mask out of his father's coffin. In this, it's just kind of like an, a um, a Japanese, like it's like a black oni mask. Yeah, and it's a cool looking mask. It's just not. That's not the black mask's mask. Yeah, and also just the cultural appropriation of all this Japanese stuff in his office, and the fact that he wears this oni mask. But also, like, and he's a white dude, he just looks ridiculous. Yeah, but I think that works for what his character is because 
there is a lot of that in, like, the fetishization of Japanese culture in, like, American business culture is, like, a real thing. And, like, guys who read, like, the Code of the Samurai and try to apply it to their business philosophy and stuff. Like, the the white guy with a katana on his wall is, like, a real thing. And I kind of like this as, like, the supervillain version of that. But I, I would have... be a great enemy for Ghost Dog. Yeah, the, he's he's the evil ghost dog. Um, but I yeah, I I would have I I definitely like the comic black mask mask better than this like generic like ninja mask that he's wearing. Yeah, the comic mask is much cooler. Has a cool origin story. Is just cool looking. Yeah, but I get what you're saying with the um, appropriation. And I now that you're explaining that to me, I kind of like that better. So do you want to get into the Bruce stuff? <laughs> Uh, or do yeah. we have more to say about the black mask? No, let's get into the Bruce stuff. So Bruce has to go back to school. Yeah, we don't know how long it's been since his parents got murdered, but I am presuming it hasn't been that long. Like, it's, it's had, it, a month, if we're lucky. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Because so, so much stuff happens so fast, it's hard to tell how much time passes in this show. I think it's got to at least be a month. I think maybe more. But... Apparently, Alfred decides that he has to go back to school now. It's not unreasonable. Kids should go back to school. No, yeah, no, I get that. I'm fine. I mean, obviously, I just don't know how long he's been out of school, and yeah, it feels like his parents got murdered in like the fall. So, like, what? When are we? Yeah, the time (laughs) is weird. I don't know what time of year this is supposed to be. It's well because it's just always overcast and raining in Gotham. Yeah, it's like the Seattle. So you're not, yeah. So it's he goes back to school. There's a he do, he doesn't want to. Uh, Alfred is like, "Don't you miss your chums, Master Bruce?" I find them quite childish. <laughs> I like that. I like that he's like a, Batman doesn't like people, and he's a, a weirdo even when he's a kid. But then he has to go back to school, and the kid like basically immediately shows up, and he's like, "Your parents are dead, huh? What was that like? Did you see their guts?" No, he awkwardly approaches him while he's sitting in a fountain. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the scene is great because it shows Bruce's affini- affini- affiliation with the ladies. Because mm. two girls walk up to him and say hi, like, right before he has his interaction with the bully. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is just a weird throwaway. And then the bully walks over and says, so, mom and dad got killed, huh? <laughs> I wanted to outline how bad it was. It was really bad. And then he asked some more pressing questions about the specifics of... Their murder and what it was it like to watch them? Um, this kid is not yet. Okay, not yet, not yet. <laughs> um, later on, they have another interaction where <laughs> this kid uh, that's bullying Bruce basically does the Batman vs Superman Martha thing. <laughs> does he? Where he talks about his mom? Oh yeah, he, he makes him mad by talking about his mom. Yeah, he does that, and then Bruce laughs and says, "Why do you say that name?" <laughs> Save Martha. <laughs> yeah, and then Bruce gets has to go to the principal's office, and Alfred picks him up, and he's like, Alfred's like, oh, you got a bit of a scrap, did you, Master Bruce? <laughs> and Bruce is like, no, I didn't even hurt him. I'm I'm weak, and he's big. And Alfred is like, hmm. He's, like, mad about that. And I think they're trying to play it off like he's mad that Bruce got in a fight, but it's very clear, even from that point, that he's just mad that Bruce got his ass kicked. <laughs> well, we don't see Bruce getting his ass kicked. We just see Bruce slap the bully. So everything else beyond that scene is left over imagination, but it makes it seem like he's got his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. We do not see the ass kicking. But then... Then... 
Bruce knocks on a door in the middle of Gotham, and out comes the kid. No, no, no. But before that, Alfred gives Bruce a watch, and he's like, this is your father's watch. This is like the fourth accent I've done for him in this episode. This is your father's watch, Master Bruce. I keep good track of this watch. And then Bruce puts it around his knuckles, knocks on the door, and when Tommy Elliot, Tommy, comes out, he just beats the shit out of him. And then Alfred taunts him, saying, I hope you learned your lesson that if you pick on Bruce, I'm not going to be mad that they got into a fight on me. Make sure that Bruce wins. Well, no, it was like the... I'm not going to stop him from fighting. The... Which, uh, I, before, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but before we get further, I'm going to forget, uh, the word of the pod is fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so much fighting goes on. A lot of fighting happening. And they specifically talk about fighting a lot. But, so, he's like, the kid is like, oh, he tried to kill me about Bruce. And Alvarez's response is, he did? And you should remember, I didn't try and stop him. And, like, that's the end of that. Then he asks Bruce what he wants for dinner, and he says pizza. Yeah. Um, so you kind of already spoiled it. The kid's name is, the bully's name is Tommy Elliot. Which, for those who are not familiar with the comics, he is a character from the comics. He's a villain named Hush, who I don't think either Josh nor I like. No. Hush's deal in the comics is that he is He's a, a childhood friend of Bruce, so they're, yes. they're following that. Appropriately. I mean, they're not really friends, but they do know each other. Well, now they're not friends. And he, 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 his parents also die on the same night as Bruce's in the comics, right? In the comics, yeah. Um, we don't know anything about his parents in this universe at the time, but he does answer his own door. Yeah. And then in the comics, he becomes obsessed. He, his deal in the comics, right, is basically that he's a villain who hates Bruce Wayne, but not specifically Batman. In some incarnations... Maybe in the real incarnation, I actually don't know, because I don't like this character, so I haven't followed up on his history. But he's also secretly Bruce's brother? No, no, no. You're getting him confused with Lincoln March. Am I? Yeah, yeah. He Uh, gets... The thing with Hush is that he gets plastic surgery to look like Bruce Wayne. That's right. That's right. My bad. Yeah. Sorry, viewers. Listeners. You're thinking of the New 52 version of Owlman. I am. He may or may not be Bruce's brother. I am. You're right. You're right. But that does a similar thing where that character is introduced in the beginning of the story as, like, I know Bruce Wayne. And then there's also a mystery character introduced, and the big reveals of the mystery character was the guy we just met. <laughs> that story, the Court of Owls story, where Lincoln Marsh shows up, does it better than Hush. Like, it's less obvious that Lincoln Marsh is the owl, but it's still the same thing. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. Hush is a bad character. His look in the comics is like he's like an evil crime mummy. He, lo- <laughs> he looks like if the Invisible Man was angry about everything. He's like the edgy... He's, even though he's from the early 2000s, he's like the edgy 90s version of the Invisible Man. <laughs> yes, it's not good. Also, man, if we ever do like a bonus episode about Batman comic stories, we should read and rip into Hush. I actually am 100% on board for that. Because I do not like that story and I do not like that character. <laughs> So, actually, there was a couple other things I wanted to mention. I have on my list um, about the whole weird-ass conversation between Gordon and Essen. About Essen feeling bad about leaving and trying to redeem herself and step up. And later on, there's this thing where she steps up. But they have this conversation about how Gotham is weird as hell. And it'll and Jim talks about how, like, where this, like, everyday thing 
happening. And Essen says maybe this only needed a spark. And that spark was the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. But I'm pretty sure this was happening before. The timeline is weird. Right? So her like doing that is kind of like real in our face about what the show is trying to do. And yeah. the show is trying to give you the assumption that the whole reason Gotham is terrible and weird and fucked up is because like that it's all ramping up to 11 is because Thomas Martha Wayne got killed. That's my thing, man. Gotham created a champion, an above the board, nonviolent, officially sanctioned champion in the form of Thomas and Martha Wayne. And then they got murked by the bad elements of the city. And now the city needs to create Batman and the prototype Batman is Jim Gordon, who's going to fuck everything up and facilitate the need for Bruce Wayne to become the actual Batman. Sure. And that's uh, not an ideology I subscribe to in the comics, but I can see it for this episode. But the way I want to mention is that the scene really just shoves it in her face. Yeah. It's and bit- also, it's clearly not true. Because, especially in this episode specifically, we were just talking about how all the employees of Sionis um, went through this fight club to become, like, you know, part of the company. And there's so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently this fighting has been going back at least, what did Nigma say, like 15 years? I don't think it's, I don't think it was 15 years. I don't remember how long it was. At least, he said there's been four other murders like this. But like at least throughout the years. Yeah. So like it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah, God, that was a bad place. Yeah. Um, is that is that all we have on this episode? Do you want to get into the villains? We got to talk about Selena Kyle though. She's um, not really in that much of this. No, but she does. She does a weird thing, which like I guess she was trying to get herself caught, but in the middle of broad daylight, where a couple of cops are going to their car, a uh, sewer grate opens and just expensive shit starts flying out of it. It's, <laughs> yes, it's, it's completely like, ridiculous. It's so weird. And over the top, and then they confront her, and she's like, "What? Girls got a shop?" And then we just find out she's arrested later on. Yeah, it's just like if it was on purpose, sure. But like, it's weird because like, why wasn't this just the cold opening of the next episode? Right. Um, I I did also before we get into the villainous, I want to talk about Fish Mooney and um her secret weapon. Oh yeah, because there's a couple things in this episode where. She asked her secret weapon, whose name we still don't have, to copy some ledgers from Carmen Falcone. Yeah, she asked her to knock him out with a, like a some knockout drops in his tea, and then uh, snoop around in his papers. And she tries to get out of the. There's Custom Fish Mooney who's watching an old woman sitting on a chair singing on stage, and then the, the secret weapon. God, I wish she had a name because she's a human being. But whatever. She shows up and she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want out. Then Fishmoney does the weird I'm your mom thing, which is very still very weird. And then she tells her a story where she's like, oh, my mom was a prostitute and she got murdered by one of Falcone's men. And then I promised I would never feel weak again. And the end of that scene, the like old woman is like, oh, I heard you telling stories to that girl. And it's like implied that she's Fishmoney's mom, but not officially stated. Fishmoney is a weird, complicated character. Yeah, so we don't... Like, it's like a false origin of Fishmoney, which is kind of a shame, because I liked that origin that she was telling. It's it's Rorschach's were, origin. Sure. <laughs> but, like, 
hear me out because like right now she doesn't have a reason for why she's so over the top besides she just wants to take control. I kind of like, like the grounding sh- that in the human reality of her not wanting to feel powerless added a lot to her character's motivation. But to take that away as like a false origin story, it's like, well, what is her motivation? I'm of two minds about it. I didn't actually. Okay, here's the thing. I liked the idea that we might get some insight into what Fish Mooney's deal actually is. I didn't like that specific story because it's like, oh, we got to kill a sex worker to add drama to it. And that's gross and played out. And then when it turns out to be fake, it's even weirder and grosser. And then it's like, okay, well, I know Fish Mooney sucks. I already think she's a bad person. Why did you also have to have her do this? Yeah, it's very weird. And the reason she does it is to, like, coerce... Um, her secret weapon. God, she needs a name. Uh, what is she credited as? She credited as secret weapon. Let me just look it up. I don't know if we maybe we missed it. I'm gonna. Um, but while you're looking that up, I just want to talk about like how the reason that she's approaching fish with this is because she almost got caught trying to direct Falcon, and she's scared and trying to leave. And this is how Fish Mooney convinces her to come back and keep doing it. And it's just so weird. Yeah, it is real. It's a very weird scene. I don't understand what they're going for in it. No. Uh, again, while you're looking it up, I want to talk about my last topic, Barbara. Um, this episode starts a plot line for Barbara. That's bad. <laughs> and she's continually bad. And again, I hate that I hate her because I want to like a strong female character. Are you talking about the gun thing? Well, that's the start of it, but the fact that she's traumatized and needs Jim to like calm her down with a like he comes in at night and she points a gun at him because he gave her a gun to protect herself and then the next morning she tells him that she was drunk and scared and like he gets it and he still leaves the gun with her and then she's like calling him while he's working and he's non-responsive and hung up on her accidentally when she was trying to tell him she loved him and then the end of the episode she leaves him which is real weird for a girl that was just Liza. All... Liza. That's her name is Liza. I guess we missed it. My bad. Yeah. Liza. <laughs> God, at least we can call her by a name now. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? So, like Barbara leaves Jim at the end of the episode with like a letter. It's heavily implied that she's gone and like leaving the relationship. And it's so weird because prior to this, she was all like, "I love him. He's the one for me." thing and it's just like all this back and forth it's just i don't get it i like the idea of there being somebody who's like a real person who sees all the crazy shit happening around jim gordon and in gotham and is like nope i can't do it it's too much i need to leave because that's like a real reaction you would have but coupled with everything else that happened with her it's just like oh cool barbara's being weak again great job show because the last episode specifically which we assume is like in the timeline the day before she goes to a crime boss to plead for his life. Yeah. She put herself in that situation. And then now she's having second thoughts about being in the same world as, as Jim. Ever she did that to herself? I would, yeah. This scene also would be, like, spoiler alert. This is not the last we see of Barbara. I know it's not. This scene would be better if it was, though. If this was like, okay, she just leaves because she can't handle it. And she goes somewhere normal. That's not Gotham. But no, no, super no. So this is the start of something that's real bad. Um, and I just want to bring that up because I don't want to hate on Barbara, but she is 
not well written. I don't know if Barbara ever becomes good, but they go some places with this character. Oh boy. So get hype for places. I'm so hyped. So that's everything I want to talk about. It sounds like you covered your things. Yeah, I got all my stuff out. So, uh, oh, um, I kind of briefly mentioned this. The word of the pot is fight, specifically because they talk a lot about fighting in the office, the fight club, and that Jim loves fighting. That's like a central oh, theme yeah. in this episode. They, they lean into this like, you're a killer. You got a killer instinct. You were in a war and you did a murder on the people you fought in the war. Which has not been a thing with Jim Gordon before. No. His whole thing has been specifically that he tries not to kill people. And there's like a big crux in this episode where like he's in the fight club and he beats down those three guys and then Black Mask and he's holding a sword over Black Mask. And there's like this whole scene where he like has to put the sword down and like he's trying to stop himself from killing Black Mask. And it's just like, this has not been an issue before. Why is this an issue now? Like he's the guy who doesn't want to kill people. Yeah, it's always Bullock shows up and kills the guy at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, it was weird and unnecessary. This was one of those, like, that whole plot point was one of those things where it's like, oh man, you really want this to just be a Batman show, right? Because that's like a thing you do with Batman. The, yeah, like, where he loves fighting and can't, and, and they do that with Bruce too. Yeah. Where it's like, he's all about like trying to fight and then the end episode, Alfred is going to teach him how to fight. Yeah. Will you teach me how to fight, Alfred? Yes, Master Bruce. Yes, Master Bruce, I'll teach you how to get in the right, Barney. And then title sequence. You want to wank the villains? Let's wank the villains. Wank the villains. <laughs> uh, okay, so at the bottom, number seven is the Riddler. Number six is Poison Ivy. Number five is Catwoman, aka Selena Kyle. Number four is Sal Maroney. Number three is Carmine Falcone. Number two is the Penguin. And number one is Victor Zaz. And new villains we got in this episode were Black Mask and Hush, I guess. Yeah, Hush, I guess. We ranked Poison Ivy, so we have to put him on the list too. Yeah. Um. Man, I am so disappointed that Zaz would have been this episode. Can I give you my prediction where I think these are going to go? I think Hush is going to go above Poison Ivy, below Catwoman. And I think that Black Mask is going to go above Catwoman, but below Maroney. Sure. That sounds fine to me. My issue with Hush is it's just the same issue, I guess, as Poison Ivy, where they kind of shoehorn in another villain. Right, but this one makes more sense. If you're going to show Bruce at school, then showing the Gary Drew's whole deal is that he went to school with Bruce makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I also would have liked better, because he's a picture character, if they made the bully Harvey Dent, if they were going to make him like an important character. They can't, bro. They can't uh, do that. I don't want to talk about that yet. We'll talk about the next episode, <laughs> where I lose my mind. Because I guarantee <laughs> the next episode I will lose my mind, so stay tuned for that. Um but, Spoiler alert for the, when Harvey Dent shows up. I'm going to say that he's the Will Scarlet of Gotham. <laughs> and it's going to be a delicious callback that everyone will love. <laughs> anyway, I think it would have made more sense to have Harvey Dent be that kid, but I get using Hush because like, his background is that he was a childhood friend of Bruce. So that makes sense. And he's shitty, but he's like he's a kid, so it's fine. Yeah. And we get more out of him than we ever got out of Poison Pepper. So sure. it, it makes sense to I put mean, him in between Poison Batman yeah. and Catwoman. Yeah. The Riddler's still the worst. He not even this episode doesn't improve your opinion of him at all. I was thinking it might be possible that he might end up slotting above Poison Ivy because he's kind of amusing in this episode. Uh sure. I'll give that to you. Oh, so okay. I'll let you have that one. Because I have no argument. He's gonna go right back down the next time the 
Kringle shit happens. I have no argument against that, but I mean, it's clearly continuing the theme of he's trying to one-up everybody that works with him and everybody hates him. I think that's good. That makes sense for the Riddler. The Riddler's whole deal is he wants to be the smartest guy in the room. Why does he still have that job? Like, how long has he been working he's there? He's good at the why job. Why hasn't he been fired yet? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, he's doing everybody else's job. Because, every, yeah, because the Gotham Police Department, notoriously, everyone else is very good at their job. He's not any worse than any other person there. They're all assholes. Yeah. So the list now is number nine, Poison Ivy. Number eight is Riddler. Number seven is Hush. Number six is Catwoman. Number five is Black Mask. Number four is Maroney. Number three is Falcone. Number two is the Penguin. Number one is our boy, Victor the Mr. Zazz. He's a, he loves the song Funky Town, and he loves doing murders. That sounds about right. So are we done? I think so. So, Nate, do you love the movie Ghost Dog? I do love the movie Ghost Dog. All right, Mr. Succeed. Josh, do you hate the movie Ghost Dog? <laughs> no, I don't hate the movie Ghost Dog. But do you love the television show Gotham? No, I do not. I mean, this, this episode was kind of run-of-the-mill. I think if this is the baseline, like, this is, like, a perfectly acceptable episode of Gotham. Like, some episodes are worse, some episodes are better, but I think as a baseline for a show, this isn't that bad. No, uh, I, if you're a horror fan, I really... It, encourage you to watch the Baco experiment i think it's a good movie um i know some people might disagree with me but i liked that aspect of this episode and i thought the black mask character was interesting i definitely would like to see more of him cool cool also i still love gotham just in case anybody wanted to know i was gonna ask you about that but i guess don't have to now you can ask me ask me do you hate gotham no 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 I like it. It's, it's a good show. Here's the thing. I say that, but there's a point where I was watching this episode. It's not a good show. Let me just say that right now. I don't want anyone to think that I think this is a good show. You heard it here, folks. He admitted to it not being a good show. There's lots of things Why I like. Why am I here? Because it's it's not good, but it is great. That's the thing. But there was like a point where I was like watching. I think it was during the Fish Mooney like fake backstory scene where I was like, this is a bad show. I still really like it. But it is a bad show. Point for me. It's a bad show in a different way than a lot of bad shows are bad. Because it's not, like, boring or uninspired at any point. It's just, like, dumb and sloppy. But it's very ambitious. And very weird. I'll remember that you said that forever, and we'll bring it up in later episodes. Yeah, dude, it's not not a secret. (laughs) I don't think it's a good show. (laughs) But I do love it. I'm a complicated man. Well, with that, I think we should probably end this episode. So until next time, fellow bat listeners, hope you have a good bat time.